I think I love that story. And I think that our faithfulness as Christians doesn't have to be extraordinary. Uh, we, we are called to be faithful in the ordinary things of life as well, whether we're meeting with President Mike Pence or Vice President Mike Pence or, you know, whatever it is, is that, that we're doing. We have to be faithful in the ordinary. And that's actually exactly what the book of Ruth is, is, is about. Because the people who are faithful in this book, it's two, uh, a pair of widows that are poor, foreigners. They have nothing. It's Boaz who is being faithful with his land. Yeah. Like they are just being faithful in the ordinary things of life. Mexican mare marries alligator <laughs> wearing a wedding dress and bizarre traditional ritual. Mayor Victor Hugo Sosa. Wed- so, so who was wearing the wedding dress? <laughs> <laughs> the alligator you know or the what, Ray, that's a very legitimate question. <laughs> Mayor Victor Hugo Sosa wed the Cayman reptile in the Mexican town of San Pedro Huamalula in a traditional ceremony said to bring good luck to the local indigenous Choctala people. Mayor Victor Hugo Sosa wed the Cayman reptile and alligatorid, alligatorid, called Alicia Adriana. Is this real? And said the pair loved each other. That can't be real. <laughs> it is I'm real. waiting for the punchline. <laughs> There's no punchline. Oh, guys. Okay, but honestly, though, does anything surprise you anymore? Uh, we're getting a guy married. Uh, she, perhaps she just wanted an alligator bag. She had plans for the future. <laughs> he, Ray, he. He. He, he yeah. yeah. He. Oh, so it was a female alligator. Why do I feel like crying crocodile tears over this? <laughs> Mark, was Guy Mary a building or something? A guy married a building. Oh, boy, I have all kinds of uh, weddings. I, I mean, I have pictures that of That you've woman. officiated? I have not, but I've officiated. I'd some love to see Mark marry a person in a way. Have we told the story yeah, on air about you getting the name of the bread wrong? Yes. Well, we talked about it on here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bringing back lovely memories. We we love you, and we we know that you listen to the podcast. And I just want to say that I apologize once again for doing that for the thousandth time. Uh, are they officially married? <laughs> Did I turn in the paperwork? Have you yeah. always turned in the paperwork, guys? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I've had I've a return been, to me. I've a couple never times. been responsible for that. I'll yeah. sign it, but someone else has to handle that kind of stuff. You're I know, supposed to mail it. Well, not actually, the officiant Oscar's extremely wise. Technically, yes, but he can tell them, and that's what I would do for me. That's what I, I do. should do that. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I just say I'll s- make sure someone gives it to me to sign it, but someone else needs to be responsible for that's, it. Makes me, it yeah, makes you're me responsible, though. Well, whatever. There's a reason why, right? <laughs> so you imagine you sign it and you hand it back to the bride and the groom. They yeah. go on their honeymoon. Yeah. And I've received phone calls while the people that I've officiated their wedding on their honeymoon saying, I feel like I made a bad mistake. And I said, I blame the person who did your premarital counseling. <laughs> you don't do the premarital counseling? Me? Sometimes I do. No, it wasn't me. No, um, do great. No, I, in fact, I get so nervous about it when I was in... Uh, Tennessee doing a wedding. I drove to the courthouse. Did you really? And turned it in at the courthouse. <laughs> that is a big responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Can I update you guys on No, the we're saga? talking about alligators, uh, Oscar. I'm, I'm, I'm not done. I'm going to leave now. I'm not, I'm not done. <laughs> I'm going to go. Okay, but this is my question, though, guys. Please, please, please tell me, one of you, if you bear any intelligence whatsoever, what possesses a human being to put their head inside the head of an alligator. Oh, demon possession, obviously. I mean, that's the seriously. Possession. Yeah. 
If you guys have seen that multiple times, yeah, I've seen. And you've it, seen that the, the jaws actually come down. Yeah, on that was right. it's breakfast time for yeah, the yeah, <laughs> and they still do it. I've never seen it clamp down. Oh on yes, head. <laughs> you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, and the guy calls out, "Get me out!" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, dude. He, he was feeling down in the mouth that day. Yeah, so. big time. Alligators and crocodiles scare me. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid of very many things, but if I saw one walking around near me and there wasn't some sort of cage or gate between us, I would be petrified. So you, you, know wouldn't, you wouldn't live in Florida? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm willing to overcome my fear, though. The last time I was in Florida with Eddie, he found like a crocodile zoo or something where you can go pet them. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, because I felt like it would be a good way for what me mean, to overcome pet my them? fear. Pet them on the head or just look at them? I have no idea. Brush their teeth. Oh. Wait, you yeah. went, they allow you. No, we ended up uh, not being able to go, but I you, was down. You know what freaks me out more than the alligator bite? It's that death roll that they do. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Dude, that is... You just got to roll with the punches. What do you call an alligator with a compass? A navigator. <laughs> you know that That's crocodile good. death roll, though? Yeah. My 10-year-old does that when she lays in bed with us. <laughs> she grabbed your arm and started rolling. And Oscar, I got to say, you have like the funniest, funnest kids I've ever come across. Thank you. They, I will make a joke and they'll just stare at me. <laughs> or I'll try to get them to turn on you. I'll bribe them to try to turn on you in different functions. Next thing I know, they're like chasing after me. That's because I have to pies. pay them more money. <laughs> That's what it is. I yeah. got to pay them more. They Are we sure they're say. related to Oscar being so brilliant? <laughs> so, Gosca. 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 <laughs> The Grouch. The whole Oscar. There is a new new nickname. Hey, Gosca. Have you got over your good poisoning yet? What is my good? Oh, man. (laughs) My good poisoning? My food poisoning? Yeah, I sent a text to us and said I got good poisoning at a restaurant. (laughs) There was nothing good about that. Yeah. You recovered? I'm good now. Yeah. But I do have an update uh, on our dog. Oh. Remember, our dog was sick. It was something wrong with, he had bladder stones. He had, there was something wrong with like his eating habits. This is all going somewhere, I promise. We got him surgery. He was doing better. And then he had a fever and we took the dog in to the vet again. And they said uh, that what's good for dog diets is mustard. Put mustard in his diet. Stop. They said mustard is good on hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) that's just awful that should go under the category of deception yeah outright deception (laughs) did it work (laughs) you're such a doofus oscar oh boy all right guys here we have a lovely comment this is from raslamja one one two four amazing i just recently found you guys and happy i did my soul has been in search of godly input and in today's world that isn't always easy. Thank you for putting this podcast out there so that people like me are able to grow more spiritual in Jesus Christ. Yaddy, well, yaddy, yaddy. let us Wonderful. know when you find that godly input. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you got grateful. the right podcast. Hey, guys, I got to tell you something. Thank you, friend, by the way, oh, yes. despite Mark and Oscar's rude comments. Can I finish what you're saying? He's Thank you. We're blessed. No, that means a lot. Thank yes. you. That really totally. touches us. It really us does. Very deeply. All right, come through. This lady gave me a weird look the other day. I was on my bike and I stopped and I said to her, I gave her a card because she was walking by herself, felt sorry for her, and I said, Happy Thanksgiving. She gave me the weirdest <laughs> look. It was the 4th of July. <laughs> wow. Ray, why? I don't know. Just please tell yeah, us why. Yeah, I thought, she gave me a weird look. Why is that? But thought, Ray, oh. after, after all these years yeah. and all of these absolute tragedies, isn't, tragedies? There, isn't there something in you that says, I'm done? Like no more. Of I this. said that years ago. I'm done. <laughs> Didn't it's do over. Anything. No, it just it goes on and on. It, you see, you can't be controlled. Yeah, yeah. Shame on you. All right, friends. This podcast is brought to you by 
Albert Brainstein tracts. Do you practice that? Very, very much In so. In mirror every morning. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a TV in the living room. They just have a mirror. The easy oh, stairs What at. more do you need? Mark, you're so jealous. <laughs> uh, Ray, you have been for a long time. Well, you used to be. Uh, you'd get mistaken for Albert Einstein. Not mistaken, but some pictures of me looked like Albert Einstein when he was young. If oh, I let my hair go gray and grew it out, I would probably look like him. And Prove it. Cher from Sonny and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Bono, yeah. Sonny and Cher. And there's Sonny other, that other guy, that, the, boo, the booze guy used to get mistaken for him. Oh, uh, yeah. Dos Equis. Yes. Yeah, the most interesting man said, in the yes. world. You got stopped a couple times, right? People named yes. you Dos Equis. Thought I, was just, and I didn't know who Joe Secchi was. Uh, Dos Equis. Joe, Joe who? You guys remember those? commercials right that yeah the, the most interesting man in the world you are ray anyway friends albert brainstein tracts Ray, that's one of my favorites yeah I, I love the the name albert brainstein it's just it's it's neat whoever thought who of came it up pride. with it ray i did pride yeah thank you <laughs> pride uh, can you it's, explain it's, it's, it's humble pride. Explain yeah it yeah explain it never seen oscar it. the explainer wants it i explained. haven't read it <laughs> i've never seen it before in my life. you haven't it's a very popular it's a track. really good track yeah. what i love about it is a way that kids can memorize the ten commandments oh, that's through right. it yeah. that, i actually use those whenever i'm going through the ten commandments for quick reference uh really creative mnemonic devices through pictures that um demonic devices demonic devices no but i love it like adultery right immediately i think seven Mm because i see the heart with the seven broken heart right that's what adultery does or uh you shall not steal Uh, it's got a guy with his head sideways, and it's eight. the number eight, right? And this, uh, like a as soon as you said, I'm seeing these images Isn't that come crazy? on the line. I use yeah. those images as well when I'm actually teaching from the pulpit. I Seriously, those pictures. Oh, honor your father and mother. It shows number five and a pregnant woman. And a, oh, I love it, Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, friends, check them out. Uh, Albert Einstein tracks, and don't forget the tracks. Track sample. <laughs> if you slow that down, you'll actually understand. I know. Tracked sample pack. Uh, because you can not only see that tract in there, but all the other tracts we carry, friends. Tract Temple Pack. Don't forget the Living Waters Podcast mugs. They are selling like... Why do we say hotcakes? I don't know. We don't. You just... <laughs> <laughs> like hotcakes. Don't forget the Evidence Study Bible. All at livingwaters.com. All right, guys. Lessons from the life of Ruth. By the way, if you order all those things at once and you put in uh, a promotion code Mark Spence, Mark will pay for the shipping. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. <laughs> oh boy if there's anything we ever have to apologize for to our customers it's shipping it's just terrible yeah it's embarrassing it's because we live in, in california because yeah. someone orders from new york you've got to go all the way over why don't you move ray 
because <clears throat> of the weather. <laughs> it's all <laughs> insane. something we're, that keeps us here. It's yeah. an insane state, but the weather's just magnificent. Oh, I'm serious. They like, have it every day. The other day, Rachel and I were, were somewhere. We were going for a walk. We were outside. And in my mind, I thought, Lord, I can't imagine how heaven can improve on this weather. <laughs> it, yeah. just, it was like... It was insanely unbelievable. Yeah. Like clear blue sky, that just a little chill in the air, not even a wisp of wind. I mean, it was... It's been oh. about 20 days of no clouds. Oh, thank you, Lord. June yeah. gloom is over. Thank yeah. you, Lord. All right, guys, stop this. We yes. got to talk about need, Ruth. Listen, can I, can I open? Or I don't talk know. about Ruth? Yeah, let's yeah, do it, Mark. Start. Go ahead, Mark. <clears throat> Babe Ruth was an American... <laughs> <laughs> career. I thought Babe oh, Ruth was funny. a candy bar. Yeah, it was a curveball. Oh, I don't like those candy Ooh, bars either. Babe Ruth. No, they're actually pretty good. Whatchamacallit. I don't know why I don't eat them, but they're good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say about that's Ruth. Babe Ruth. <laughs> oh, well, there's more. He played 22 seasons <laughs> yeah. from 1914 to 1935. His name was not really Babe, was it? No, no. he had a funny name. George Herman Ruth. Yeah, I'd go with Babe <laughs> for sure. Pig? Babe? Yeah. All right, guys. Oh, uh, Babe was a great movie. I saw it five times. Oh, Babe. Yeah. That'll do, Pig. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do. That pig. is really a cool movie. Yeah. I got to watch it. Yeah. That's when they, uh, that was the transition from, remember when they used to do animal movies and they would just like have a voiceover, but no moving mouths on the animals? Yes. That was like the first one. Ma- and there was no sex scenes and it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We've been watching the Dick Van Dyke show lately. Yeah. Oh. It's so wholesome. Yeah, his, his, his son was in I was watching it the other day with Rachel, and I go... You have a black and white TV? Yeah. <laughs> I, go, I go, how wonderful that the world was normal once. <laughs> a husband and a wife and a child, and they called him a boy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, where are we? Oh, seriously, man. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ruth, Ruth. Uh, I love the book of Ruth. Mm-hmm. It's it is one of my favorites. I feel like I say that about one of the top sixty six. It's in yeah. the top one hundred. One of the top sixty six. I, I really do love the book, and it's got a lot of good stuff in it. So, as a summary, uh, it opens up with a man named Elimelech, his wife Naomi, of course, which is my wife's middle name. Why'd you pick Naomi, Ray, for Rachel's middle name? My mum's middle name was no Naomi. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it was something like I that. Get my mum's name right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, th- their family ultimately was forced from Bethlehem because of the huge famine that took place uh, back in that time. This was during the uh, era of the judges. And they were in... Keep, keep fact. Huh? That's a very Yeah, important. huge fact, yeah. Uh, and uh, they were in the land of Moab for about 10 years. Moab was a, a pagan region. It was northeast of the Dead Sea. They were... Uh, Filled with alligators, Moabites. <laughs> Moabites. Moabites are uh, descendants of Sodom, though. Also an important fact. Yeah. So, thank you, Oscar. And uh, here for that. And they had their two sons, uh, Malon and Kilion. Uh, they married Moabite Kilion? women. Kilion. Kilion. Okay. What do you call it? Chilion? No. Kilion. Uh, that's a kind of a cool name. Yeah, for an Arab. Okay. For an Arab. What's your name? Kilion. Kilion. <laughs> you have to say that with like a cool Kilion. Kilion. Uh, anyway, they ended up uh, marrying uh, Moabitesses. What you laughing at? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? Uh, that was good. Anyway, they, they married uh, Moabite women, and uh, one was named Orpa and Ruth. By the way, little factoid, do you guys know this is where Oprah Winfrey got her name? Really? Yes. Yeah, her grandma f- accidentally flipped the letters instead of Orpa, op- Oprah. Oh, um, Grandma was a Moabite? <laughs> she was a Moabitess. That's kind of the gist of it. And they're in Moab for about 10 years. 
Nice. Thank you. You like that? Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Had to get Had that to off get my off chest. Off my <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so anyway, they, they all the, the the husbands all end up dying. Yeah. Both the, the two the two sons That's and we and know the story. And, uh, and so Ruth and her daughter in law end up uh, becoming widows. Hmm. Daughter-in-laws. They died from And that's kind of where we Does pick it say up. what they died from? What do you got to say about it, Mark? <clears throat> they died from Moabites. From I, I don't know. <laughs> Moabites. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of the, the, the backdrop to the story. And uh, go ahead and fill in some blanks. Oscar, you were going to say something about the culture um, and Moabites and judges. and. Well, yeah. And I mean, just going back to it, I think, I think one of the things that's interesting about the book of Ruth is it is one of the more popular books that pastors like to preach from. People love to read it because it's short. It's easy to understand. It's a concise story in four chapters. One of the dangers of talking about and preaching about Ruth is that we can often approach it like a moral fable where it's like, here's this lady, Ruth, look at how faithful she was. And because of her faithfulness, here's the inconclusion of it. But what's important, any book of the Bible, what we need to remember And what we need to ask is, where does this book, where does this story fit in in God's redemptive plan? Mm. That's the first question that we have to ask. The second question is, is how does this story point us to Jesus? And so before we get into the details about, and I I know we will end up answering those two questions, but the two things that we need to, to know on where it fits is Judges, the book before Ruth, ends with basically things are not going well in Israel and they need a king. Yeah, that's, that's where it ends. We need a king. And Ruth opens with, in the days the judges ruled. Hmm. So the problem is still continuing. God's people needs a king. And that is sort of where this story fits in God's redemptive plan. So yeah. we're in days where judges rule. What's that? In the US, we're in days where judges rule. Yeah, the Supreme Court. we are, man. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because one of the things about the book of Judges that you will notice again and again and again is how God will raise up a judge or a deliverer. Mm-hmm. And then the people, you know, it, what would happen is they would cry out to God because they were just in dire straits. God would raise up a deliverer. You know, they'd repent. God raised up a deliverer. And then they'd go right back to their sin. Raise up and deliver right back to their sin again. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, the book of Judges to me is like a shout that declares the mercy of God. Amen. Because, you know, m- massive mercy there. But, you know, you, you mentioned something, Oscar, that I think is important for us to know at the outset, and that is that the final words of the book link Ruth with her great-grandson, mm-hmm. who's mm. David, verses 17 to 22 of chapter right. 4. So <laughs> think about that. I mean, what what kind of statement is that, that God takes a Moabitess woman who comes from a pagan background and he makes her the great grandmother of King David, who is the, of whom it's said of Jesus, the son of David, right? Through which the Messiah came. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. There's another big theme too in the book of Ruth, which is, it's curious that in the book of Ruth, the narrator never mentions God. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. 85 verses, God's never mentioned. The characters in the book of Ruth will reference God, but the narrator never references God. However, 23 times the word redeemer 
is mm, mentioned. Yeah. And that's important for two things because thematically, one of the things that the author of Ruth wants to do is show you how the providence of God, how the sovereignty of God is working itself out in the ordinary choices of faithful people in the world. He wants you to see how these small little choices that Naomi makes, that Ruth makes, that Boaz makes, that all of these tiny little choices, ultimately God is at work behind the scenes, bringing about a redeemer through the book of Ruth. Yeah, It's mind-blowing. Yeah, and Ray, when we think about that, we look at the biblical narratives and events on this side of them happening, you know, but when Moses was doing what he was doing, when he was on the backside of the wilderness, uh, tending his father-in-law's sheep after fleeing Egypt, he, he didn't know the end of the story. Job didn't know the end of the story. And so I'd love you to just kind of speak to the importance of faithfulness. You didn't know the end of the story that first day you stood up to open air preach in New Zealand and what God was going to do through that and impact people to preach the gospel all over the world. So speak to that faithfulness. Boy, I, I wonder if I can put this without sounding like some sort of crazy heretic, but I think we're used to it. Faith, faithfulness <laughs> is the essence of the character of God. Mm. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. You look at the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't mention faithfulness, it mentions faith. Mm. But our whole eternal redemption rests on that character of God, that faithfulness of God. And I, I've got to say, I absolutely love faithfulness. I know you do too, easy. Someone who keeps their word, like Psalm 15 says, mm. that he swears to his own hurt. Mm. Yeah. That is, uh, I think the Living Bible, or something, he, he, he'll give his word and he'll keep his word even if it hurts him to do so. And yeah. there, was, there was a time when all letters were signed yours faithfully. Wow. You know, not sincerely. Yeah. But faith fully. <laughs> and that's because if you want someone to think well of you, let them know that you're faithful. Mm. You keep your word. Yeah. And so the book of uh, Ruth speaks to me of God's faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Do you remember the church we sung in, in, uh, in Israel? Where the oh, word yeah. echoed. I mean, I sounded like I could sing. I sounded like an opera singer because <laughs> it's like a, a glorified bathroom. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. And we all sang Great is Thy Faithfulness in that church, and we sounded good. I've heard you whistle, though. You're an amazing whistler. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. say that to me in church. I'll never whistle again. <laughs> and I remember a lady turned around and said, I love you whistling. The reason I whistle is because my singing is so bad. <laughs> you got to find a way to make up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mark. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, uh, today's church wants to be raptured from responsibility. Ooh. You know, it, it's difficult to find somebody who is going to be faithful. And it all starts with being faithful with the small things. Hudson Taylor, he said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in the little things is actually a great thing. Mm. We need to always remember that that small thing inside of our life is actually the biggest yeah. thing that God is requiring from us, whether yeah. that be the second glance whether that be turning off the TV when you should, whether that's opening up the Word or continuing on a little bit. Listen, those little steps are actually huge mm. steps because there's huge chasms in between those steps. Boy, wow. that's so well put. If God can't trust you with a pistol, He's not going to let you near the cannon. Mm. Wow, that's you know, so good. So the small things, be faithful in the small things. Well, Ray, you know, you, you use an analogy uh, a lot of times that, that I've always really loved. And that is, you know, if you, whether you steal a dollar from someone's wallet or a hundred dollars, you're still a thief. Yeah. yeah and the, and, and the, I think the same holds true when it comes to faithfulness. It's like, you know, we can, we can be 
unfaithful in something big, that's a big deal. But why is it different if it's something small? The principle is faithfulness. You know, I, I may have shared the story before about a, a dear friend who serves on a board with me, and uh, I was heading up the board meeting, and and he he's a congressman, and he was he had a meeting with Vice President Pence about a big piece of legislation that was going on. And he sends me a text and he says, brother, I'm so sorry, but uh, Vice President Pence has called me into a meeting with him. I may be a few minutes late to the board meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, "Uh, brother, can't you tell the Vice President of the United States of America you just can't make it? I mean, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, he's talking about the second most powerful man on the planet. Right. And he's he's, he's reaching out to little old me to say, hey, I may be a few minutes late. I mean, I've shared that from the pulpit of an example of faithfulness, you know? And we all, you know, we all fall short. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. But, but there are people who don't care about it. If ever I've not been able to keep my word, it kills me. I yeah. want to die. And so I was telling my kids and my wife the other day, like, how do people live their lives like that? They tell people, oh, I'm going to do that. I'll be there. And they just don't show up. But certain, oh, cultures, they don't apologize. certain cultures lie to you <sighs> when they give you directions. Lie to you? They lie to you. They won't tell you that they don't know where a certain place is, so they'll send you on the wrong direction rather than they want to save face. Pride, yeah. 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 I think I love that story, and I think that our faithfulness as Christians doesn't have to be extraordinary. We are called to be faithful in the ordinary things of life as well, whether we're meeting with President Mike Pence or Vice President Mike Pence or, you know, whatever it is is that that we're doing. We have to be faithful in the ordinary, and that's actually exactly what the book of Ruth is is, is about, because the people who are faithful in this book, it's two, uh, a pair of widows that are poor, foreigners. They have nothing. It's Boaz, who is being faithful with his land. Yeah. Like, they are just being faithful in the ordinary things of life. They are making decisions that they see, because that's an important aspect of Boaz's life. There is a law. Or one of the things that God calls his people to do is to show generosity to the immigrant and the poor. And it's important to recognize that in Leviticus 23, 22, it calls owners of lands to not be greedy with their things. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap all the way to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord, your God. There were so many times in uh, the Old Testament where God's people did not honor that. They thought, you know what? I'm going to glean to the very end of my harvest so that I have more to myself, so that I can go sell and have more for my family. But Boaz is one of the faithful few that gleans only what he needs, and he is faithful in leaving the rest for the foreigner and the immigrant. And one of those foreigners and one of those immigrants ends up being Ruth, who he ends up marrying, who they end up producing children, who ultimately ends up producing David the king, who ends up producing more children, where we get the promised seed, Jesus. So here's this guy just being faithful, obedient servant of the Lord, not being greedy with his stuff. And what does God do with that faithfulness? He mm. does something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And another aspect of Boaz's faithfulness is his adherence to the principles in God's word. I mean, it, this really goes back, the whole kinsman redeemer type of principle goes back to Leviticus 25. Right. And it, it's just so great to see someone recognize like, wait a minute, this may not be the most convenient thing for me. This may not be what I want to do, but, but I want to adhere to what God has. 
So let, let's, let's jump in here. We'll break it down a little bit. Let's start off with uh, Ruth 1, 6 to 18. It says, then she arose, and this is after the, the death happens and all that, uh, with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. First, I, I love that. The Lord had visited his people. Uh, I think of, you know, what happened, you know, in scripture, it says there was no, there was no widespread revelation, you know, at one point. And, but to hear that, like, what, what a great, you think about receiving a visit from someone, someone important, someone of significance, but for God to, to visit his people, it's just glorious. So our nation needs a visitation of God. Ah, so badly. Ray, what would that look like? I, I know we're pausing here. Well, uh, I, I love that Bible verse that says, the knowledge of the law will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And uh, I, I would love to hear of politicians in Washington, D.C., falling on the sidewalk in repentance to God, oh, saying, we've sinned against you, we've killed our, our unborn, yeah. we've, we've brought legislation into being that is a, a perversion and is an abomination to the God that gave us life, the God that this nation was founded on. Oh, God, forgive us. Heal yeah. our land. No, I would love that to happen. That friend of mine that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier, uh, he's a congressman, like I said, pretty prominent one too, and, and he's sent me pictures of congressmen praying together in Congress, uh, you know, the chambers and, and, um, and the Capitol. And it was so moving. I thought, Lord, this is what we need. You know, men of God that'll, that'll stand up, that'll um, cry out to you, repent, lead our nation. In I want to see godless men cry out in repentance to yeah. God. Amen. Well, it, may, it starts with the godly doing it. Yeah. And Lord willing, it'll lead to the godless. All right. So, uh, visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of, to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So, she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons? in my womb that they may be your husbands. Turn back, my daughters, go, for I'm too old to have a husband. I should say I have hope if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons. Would you wait for me till they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And this, oof, I love mm. this part. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where mm. you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Whew. Why? Why does this stuff get me emotional? <laughs> the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. So it was, that's faithfulness in action. <sighs> Wherever you go, I'm going. Your I mean, she had God. no obligation to yeah. stay with her. She could have at that very instant said, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm me and Orpah. <laughs> Orpah, we're out of here. But man... She, she, like that declaration. I share this at weddings oftentimes, you know, as, a, as an example. Do you cry when you do? Uh, I should. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so comment on that, guys. I mean, what, what's that all about? Why would this foreigner, this woman who's, you know, they just, I mean, 
they were there in her family's land. She's leaving that now, right? It's not like, hey, kind of go to your family's land. It's, it's kind of like stay there. I know they, they, they departed, but it's like stay where you're, you're from, where we just were, and be with your family and your customs and your culture and your... No, no, I'm going with you. Where you go, yeah. I will go. Where you die, I will die. Yeah, she, she's committed, mm-hmm. right? And that, that commitment means there's no turning back. There's no looking back. Vance Havner said, uh, there's no such thing as part-time loyalty to Christ. And when you think about that, you know, it, you go, well, are, are you faithful to your wife? Yeah, I'm faithful to my wife. I've only cheated once. <laughs> but I've come across 350,000 people whom I've not committed adultery with. Mm. So I'm, you know, there's not weighing that happens there. You know, there's a ridiculousness that's attached to that. So when the decision is made, when the die has been cast, then there is no looking back. Make that commitment and go forward. Mm. And that's, that's what she did. And that's why we look at that faithfulness, that step of faith as amazing. Yeah. And we're not, and we're missing that today. And I want to be a man who is utterly faithful to my own hurt. I want to be a man who, when people think of me, they think of somebody who is loyal, somebody who is faithful. Hmm. You know, I had a family member that came to me today and said, "Hey, I want to apologize because I don't think I was completely upright to you in my response." Wow. And I examined it. and I went, "Wow, that that is that is the Christian way." Hmm. You know, it's not just commission, but omission. It's like, not just what you said, but what did you leave out? You know, do I really need to ask a million questions in order to get the right answer? Yeah. I want to give the right answer because I know what you're talking about. I know what you're getting at, and I want to be like that right away. And easy, you've, we, we had an encounter several years ago. I don't know if you remember inside my office. I let that cat out of the bag on some good news to someone. And uh, you came to me and you said, Mark, did you, did you tell this person, you know, this news? And I said... Uh, I did. And you go, and you're so disappointed. And I remember looking at you and I said, but I feel like you had different things more to say concerning mm-hmm. that. And I, and I said, easy, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. That moment of humility where I just, I just owned it, mm-hmm. you received it. Yeah. And you were done talking about it. Yeah. You, you weren't ready to... Uh, to flog me and to, you know, throw stones at me. You were as, as quickly I, I asked as I, him. In fairness, I wanted him to flog you. <laughs> we believe that. But, but you were quick. And, and that's what it is. Humility brings out humility in other people. Yeah. And, uh, and I haven't forgotten about that. And I, I use that illustration still to this day with my kids. Wow. Yeah. You know, there is something about a person just uh, doing what's right. I mean, that's really what faithfulness uh, is connected to. And Mark, there's a saying you, you always share, isn't it? You know your true friends when everyone's walking out the door. So what, Yeah, what well, that, that was the, the winning definition to the word friend back in the summer of 1994. I read it in a magazine, and it was the winning definition of a friend was a friend is someone who walks in the door when everyone else oh, walks out. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and Ray, faithfulness, it, it's, it's just so rare to find anymore. Like, how many people walk out on their marriages because they don't like what their spouse just did or they don't feel fulfilled or, I mean, it all goes back to a heart that says, no, I made a commitment and I'm going to see it through to the end. Yeah, I, 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 the, true about marriage, but I can't help but look at faithfulness and connect it to evangelism, reaching mm. out to the lost. Uh-huh. We talk about God's faithfulness through the cross and his promises to us, but we're to be faithful to the Great Commission. Well done, you good and faithful servant. 
And so I want to be someone who's faithful to God and fulfilling that great commission every day to seek and save that which is lost. Yeah. We know Boaz let Ruth glean from his harvest fields, and Jesus likened that evangelism to the harvest fields. Lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white to harvest, laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Boaz's field, Ruth gleaned, and we're to glean in the harvest field because people go to hell and it's something I can never forget and none of us should. Yeah, it, it's easy to overlook that. You know, speaking of faithfulness in marriage, I want to talk about faithfulness in marriage and then faithfulness in friendship. Faithfulness in marriage is, is more about giving than taking. One of my favorite songs, and my wife and I got married, there was two songs that were played live at our, at our wedding. One of them was Doxology. That's what we walked into. And the other one was called The Wait. Uh, and it opens like this. Uh, there, there are many who will... You going to sing it or not? Yes. There are, <laughs> there's many who will tell you they'll give you their love. But when they say give, they mean take. They hang round just like vultures till push comes to shove and take flight when the earth starts to shake. The chorus says, and come what may, I won't abandon you or leave you behind because love is a loyalty sworn, not a burning for a moment. Come what may, I will be standing right by your side. I won't run away, though the storm's getting worse. There is no end, there's no end in sight. And the idea here is, is another part of the songs, like some want to wear the ring, but don't want to wear the weight. Uh -huh. uh, and that was important to us because we recognize like we are making a covenant, a commitment together in which we are going to be loyal to one another, not because it makes us, not because you, you know, and we've talked about this before, but like oftentimes I'll talk to young men and women and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm in love with this person. And I'll, I'll ask like, what does that mean? Like, oh, I love the way they make me feel. I love the way they treat me. I love the way they talk to me. And ultimately it's like, to me, it sounds like you love yourself. Yeah. You love that they love you, but loving someone else is outward focus. It's, it's dying for, it's committing to, right? And I think that is true in marriage and that's true in friendship as well. Culturally speaking, there's a lot of quote unquote communities available to us. You can join a gym and find a community of friends. You can play board games and video games and find a type of community. But gospel community are people who are covenanted together for the sake of each other's good and the glory of God. And what that means is that when push comes the shove, when things get hard, when addictions are revealed, when sin is exposed, the church leans in. They care for the needs. They call each other to repentance. They're there for one another, bearing each other's burdens. And so I would say to anybody out there who's listened to this and is maybe realizing you're a part of a shallow community, a gym community, a gaming community, a whatever community, man, my encouragement to you is you will not know the love of God and the commitment of God until you know it in the context of a local church community who knows you and who loves you and who is committed to you in this kind of way. Amen. You know, I love those videos where you see someone in a race and they fall mm. and the other, the other runners, <laughs> Mark points to Ray. <laughs> uh, and the other, and, and another runner will come and pick them up. Yeah. They'll sacrifice their win. In fact, I saw one that really moved me. Uh, these people were racing, they were running and one guy just shot ahead, but he, he didn't realize that he had to turn and he runs into the gate and then another guy starts running to, he was going to win. And that guy stopped and he waved the guy over 
and he let him run ahead of him and win you, the race. You're going to cry he, again. I <laughs> know. <it's like, laughs> but I just, there's something in us, just like with Ruth here, right, that makes us look and say, there's something right about this. Because there was no benefit to Ruth to go with Naomi. None I mean, whatsoever. None. I mean, she, she was going to go. They had no covering, no, no provision, you know, nothing to, to help them. She could have easily been, but it's like there was something in her that said, I'm not going to let my mother-in-law go and be by herself. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to go help her. And Naomi warns her, they're going into Israel, which is a land that is unkind towards foreigners and widows. Yeah. There's like the only way that a, that a widow would be able to provide for themselves or to have provision is to be married. If they're widows, they're probably, no one's gonna probably want to marry them, technically. I know someone ends up doing it, but there's no, there's no promise of that happening. Or by owning land, they are poor, they owe no land. So they're moving into a country that is not kind towards widows and foreigners. Yeah. And Naomi warns Ruth and Ruth goes anyways. Yeah. All right, so we pick it up in verse eight of chapter two. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Man, stop it, you Arab. Ah. <laughs> and Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported see, to me. What? You should have, a, will you read the whole Bible and bowl through the whole thing? That would be very popular. I'm going to go from wheezy to weepy. I just can't stop. It's like that the first time you go through the Bible. <laughs> I remember my first time reading This has the Bible. been so new to me. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord of God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Oh man, that, that'll preach for an hour right there. <laughs> then she said, let me find favor in your sight, O my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. You know what this brought to mind is Proverbs 19.22, what is desired... <laughs> Talk about not knowing the Bible. Uh, what is desired in a man is kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about kindness in a man that just stands out. And we see that here with Boaz. I mean, he just, he, he's just showing such beautiful kindness, right? There's a Bible verse that speaks of the law of kindness. Mm. It's unbending. Yeah. You know, as Christians, we are commanded to be kind. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's so powerful to call it a law of kindness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we don't have time that, to, man, we've, we've just been camping on different things that I think are legitimate and been good. But um, but let me, because I want to make sure we get to the gospel in Ruth. Yeah, yeah, go uh, ahead, Oscar, take us So out. first, uh, we have to recognize what a kinsman redeemer is. I know we talked a little bit about it before. Leviticus 25, you mentioned it earlier. Leviticus 25, verse 23 goes like this. The land is not to be permanently sold because... It is mine. That's God speaking. And you are only aliens and temporary residents on my land. You are to allow the redemption of any land you occupy. If your brother becomes destitute and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem 
what is sold. And so why is that important? Because Boaz is a kinsman redeemer, which means when Naomi and her husband left the land of Israel, they sold the land that the husband had. When they come back, it turns out that Boaz is a potential kinsman redeemer. Out of all of the land that Ruth could have gleaned from, she ends up gleaning on Boaz's land, which again is just showing you the providence and sovereignty of God at work, right? And so they realize this is a potential kinsman redeemer. What does that mean? That means that Boaz can marry Ruth and by doing so, Naomi's line lineage or the husband of Naomi's lineage becomes redeemed. But that means Boaz does this at a sacrifice. One, he has to take on the debt of buying the land. And two, keep in mind that back in that day, your greatest contribution, all of your honor, all of your joy, everything that had meaning and value to you as a man was your children, your heritage for your children to carry on your name. By Boaz becoming the kinsman redeemer, it means his children will not carry on his name. It'll carry on the name of Naomi's husband, which is how they become the children of David, right? Or David's children. And so Boaz is giving up a great thing. So how does it point us to Jesus? First, Boaz is a redeemer. He, he's a redeemer because he gives up his right to a family. He takes on the debt of Ruth and Naomi. And by doing that, he makes these outsiders, these foreigners, these people with nothing. He brings them in. He redeems them into the family of God. And of course, Jesus is our great Boaz who redeems us back into the family of God by giving up the rights to his throne, by taking on the sin of debt. Ruth is a kind of redeemer. She, as you mentioned, you got teary-eyed. She leaves her home. She subjects herself to poverty. She tells Naomi, I will be with you until death. Jesus is our great Ruth who leaves his home, who leaves the comfort of his throne and who says to us, I will be with you past death. I will subject myself to all of the sin, poverty, pain, and punishment that this world has to offer so that you will be redeemed into my family. And so I mentioned before that the book of Ruth doesn't mention God's name one time, but it uses redemption or redeemer 23 times. This book has Jesus written all over it. Jesus, I think, you know, the reason why you teary eyed over those moments where Ruth is talking to Naomi like that, the kind of loyalty and love is because we all want that. We all want to be loved the way Ruth loved Naomi. We all want someone to make sex, to say, I will go with you. I will not let you be alone easy. I will not let you die alone and die in poverty. And what the beautiful thing is, is that we have someone like that. Uh We have Jesus who says, I will not let you be alone. I will redeem you. Amen. Yeah, Mark and Ray, I want you guys to, to wrap us up here in a minute just on the importance of following God's example and that we're not short of examples. But the story basically, to sum it all up, ends up with Boaz blessing Ruth. He tells his men, hey, just leave some sheaves for her. She 
comes back home with all this, all this food. Ruth is like, or Naomi's like, what in the world's going on here? And she tells her Boaz, she's like, what? He's one of our, you know, relatives. And then she tells her to go and she goes where, where he was threshing, lies at his feet, which is, is not an, an appropriate thing as some have tried to suggest. But she, she in a sense, made a proposal mm-hmm. you know, to him and, and kind of like laid it out. But, but it was on the basis of all the indications he had given. So it was nothing out of line. And, and then he ends up going. And of course, there was another guy who was before him in line. line. And, and again, I love the fact that he was faithful. No, let's do this the right way. Because it appears that he may have also fallen in love with her, you know, and saw her character and, and you know. Yeah, he references her as a Proverbs 31 wife. Yeah. He, he uses the, uh, a verse from Proverbs 31 right. to explain her. Uh, but, and so, but he did what was right. And then the other guy didn't want to marry her. And then he does. And I love the end of the book here, chapter four, verse 13. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her. The Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law. <sighs> Seriously, I should just end it here. Who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has, yeah. has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. We could call it the weeping Bible or the meal's <laughs> way. Seriously, man. <laughs> ah, anyway, so guys, God hasn't left us with a shortage of examples of faithfulness, has he? Not at all. I think it's so beautiful that she lay at the feet of Boaz, and it's really a type of the chaste virgin awaiting the espoused virgin, like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and humility waiting for that uh, consummation. Yeah. Mm. Amen. I love the fact that we, we don't always know where our faithfulness is leading. In Ruth's case here, her faithfulness led to a place in the family line of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we don't know what is happening, we can always know that something is happening because someone is always in control, that the Lord knows what he's doing. Amen. Be faithful to small things. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be hung up with yesterday. Run your race today. Get back in the battle today. Mm. Today, at this moment. You may have spent all morning going through YouTube Reels. Today, get back in the Word and tell others. Well, also, you may may be thinking to yourself, man, but you you don't know my past. You don't know my problems. You don't know where I come from. Like, who am I? Man, look at Ruth. Ruth was a widowed, poor alien who was a sodomite, and she ends up in the lineage of Jesus. That's who God uses to bring about a redeemer. So it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter where you came from. Uh, what matters is your faithfulness to God and his faithfulness to you. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Yeah. And, and by that reference, meaning she was you know, related to those from Sodom. Anyway, guys, go after the Lord. Go after him hard. No matter what's happened, I love, Mark, that you said that. You may have been doing this this morning, but right now, that's the hope of the gospel. You know, one of the things that touches me most is when we get letters from you guys saying how impacted you've been by the podcast, how you're going harder after the Lord. That's what we want for you. That's Mm -hmm. why we do this. We have a lot of other things we can be doing. We love doing this because of what it translates into impact in your life for the glory of God. Our lives are but a vapor. Eternity is coming don't waste your life. Look at these powerful examples in Scripture. I know your heart right now was pricked by the example that we saw in Ruth and recognize God can do that in us. Make us a faithful people 
who, uh, who live for his glory and can have an impact. So there you have it, friends. Don't forget the Albert Brainstein tracks, the track sample pack, the Living Waters mugs, the evidence study Bible at livingwaters.com. Speaking of mugs, I'm telling on Mark Spence. What do you do? Yeah, he, he was flicking my face with his finger during the whole podcast. Is that podcast. what the whole flicking stuff was? Yeah, flicking my face oh, on the you mug. You guys are it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, just, anyway, friends, continue, please, to give us those ratings. Hey, we're climbing up continually. Still one of the top podcasts around. Thank you, friends. And remember to send us your comments and thoughts to podcastlivingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea like the guy who married an alligator, what we're doing. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.